Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up y'all? This is William Zabka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And we're back, back with another episode review, uh, this time episode four of season two, The Moment of Truth. Yeah, I uh, just uh, went back and rewatched that uh, for the third time, fourth time, uh, eager to talk about it. Oh, good, because that, that, that's why we are here. We are yes. here to talk about this episode. It would be, cra- be a crappy review show. It's like, man, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, not only that, it's like, uh, I, I haven't watched it since the, the night it aired. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, do you remember this uh, this scene? Not no. really. Ref- re- refresh my memory. Crease who? <laughs> He's back. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, moment of truth. Now, we don't usually have like a whole lot of pre-talk really before we get into an episode um mr herwitz has done two twitter q a's uh, at this uh, at the time of this recording and we'll be doing a reaction to those uh in the near future it'll probably be the next episode to be honest with you but um there's been a couple of other big news as of late as well i don't know how much detail we actually want to go into um maybe we just kind of briefly touch on it and then we'll talk about it, um, at least the details that has been revealed in the next episode? I think that's fair, yeah. Okay, well, the biggest one, the big three has inked a, what is it, a four-year deal with Sony? Yes, yeah, that's big news. That's huge. They have created Counterbalance Entertainment. Oh, I love the title. I like it, too. Uh, episode 5 of Season 1, I believe it was, Counterbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 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 this is going to allow them to, uh, you know, work on other projects as well and still kind of uh, be showrunners of Cobra Kai. Uh, I only read the article once, so if I misspoke, my apologies. But again, we'll talk more about it in the next episode. In the near future. In the near future. Uh, what else did you have? Uh, not a whole lot Cobra Kai related. Uh just stuff that I'd been up to. Uh, last weekend, I managed to make my way out to the Detroit uh, area for the Motor City Comic Con again. Uh, That's right. And uh, there will be some in-depth coverage of it on a new episode of Jake and Tom. We are back. There we go. Uh, looking forward to that one. Um, I've seen some footage uh, in your group page of you. Um, I, I guess it's an annual tradition, I guess, to kind of get hit, kicked, punched in the nuts. Yes, it's a. <laughs> I I don't know why it's completely juvenile and immature, but Jake and I just find endless amusement by having me pose with cosplayers, either getting punched or more often than not kicked square in the nards. I've never thought about uh, doing something like that. I usually just take a picture with them, but that's pretty cool that you have that, and Jake doesn't. Well, it's it's funny because I remember one year I went out to C2E2 and then like two weeks later I went out to Motor City and apparently word got around because I was posing with some lady and she's like, this is weird because 
my friend said the same thing happened to him out in Chicago. And I'm like, that's me. That was me. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um, and there is a YouTube video of that C2E2 uh, event. Yes. That yes. was pretty cool. So if you guys got a few minutes, check that out uh, on the YouTube. Um, and there's one other uh, other detail or uh, other bit of news. And we'll talk uh, again. We'll talk more about it in the upcoming episode for Cobra Kai news. Uh, but IDW comic book company, yeah, yeah, who also did Back to the Future, they will be doing Cobra Kai. Rock on! So uh, there is an article out there. Uh, I, I think it was EW, if I'm not mistaken. But again, more details to come in the near future. We might have some more reviews on our hands before we know it. I think so. You know, I I don't mind reading uh, comics and reviewing those. That'd be kind of Not cool. Not at all. No. You know, I'll feel like I'm on an episode of Jake and Tom a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So, The Moment of Truth. Uh, again, this is episode four. Um, now, Tom, on, on a TV show or a movie, do you happen to know the difference between, like, written by and, like, teleplay by? If I had to guess, I'd say that the main story uh, would be considered written by, and then the teleplay would be the actual script that is used on set, but that is just a layperson's guess. Okay, because the teleplay uh, on this episode is by Kevin and Matthew McManus, uh, but the story is by them two plus the big three. Uh, It does not say written by on this episode. Matter of fact, I don't think it did on the last episode either. Uh, but this one, uh, just like the previous episode, is directed by Michael Grossman. I'm pretty sure no relation to Rick. <laughs> one time. Per request now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just like the previous episodes, uh, the summary is written by one Amy S. And this is what episode four is about. Dimitri visits Cobra Kai and has a less than positive introduction to Kreese that leads him to make a tough choice. When Miguel approaches Johnny with concerns about it, Johnny initially brushes it off, but when Kreese's stories continue to unravel, he's forced to confront him. Elsewhere, Sam and Robbie are brainstorming about viral marketing, but Daniel decides to go with a more grassroots approach. Raymond and Tori join Cobra Kai, and the latter clashes with Sam in their very first meeting. Meanwhile, Robbie runs into some old friends. Uh, Thanks again, Amy, for that. Yes, thank you very much for uh, everything you do on the show and uh, on the group page. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. Do we usually just get in? We don't really talk about the... Well, I mean, why not? Tom, what did you think about this episode overall? I thought it laid uh, a lot of interesting groundwork. There was definitely a lot of foreshadowing for things to come. Yes. uh, That I don't really want to get into just now. But uh, it, I think, was actually better on a rewatch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have now seen this episode, and I know there's people that have seen it, uh, you know, each of these episodes uh, more than me, <laughs> Brianna. Um, you know, I've seen this one maybe about six times now. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, there's some musical cues, uh, very uh, reminiscent of Bill Conti uh, at the beach later on. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Just like season one, you know, we'll kind of spoil it now. I don't, there wasn't like any bad episode. No, no, absolutely not. So um, I, I think uh, everything is very meaty. And this one, 
we get a, a little bit of fighting from Daniel, you know, so that that was nice to see finally. Yeah, uh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we have actually seen him do any actual fighting since uh, Karate Kid 3, now that I'm thinking about it. You are probably right. I wouldn't bet any money on it, but I think I might be right. (laughs) Okay, all right, let's get into the episode here. Um, For anybody that is tuning in for the first time, perhaps, we do go scene by scene and try to talk a little bit about the details uh, in in certain scenes and dialogue. Uh, But the cold open, we get Dimitri. He goes to the Cobra Kai dojo and runs into Kreese. And as Dimitri does, kind of runs his mouth a little bit. Um, says that he saw, you know, their demonstration at Valley Fest, and he wants to give it another go. Well, I would say that he kind of drops the ball right away when he insults Johnny to crease his face. Right, uh, kind of says that Johnny's unhinged. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the best way to introduce yourself to anybody that might be working for or with the business owner. No, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, Kreese isn't somebody that he has seen before. Uh, he even drops like, oh, I got some ground rules. And um, uh, he has his own personal space and the other Cobras has to respect it. Which he then uh, almost immediately violates his own rule about personal space by laying hands on Kreese, which, I mean, regardless of how badass the person is, you just don't do that. No, I mean, Kreese hasn't spoken one word, and this kid is nitpicking at uh, the tattoo. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't want to say that he deserved it, because nobody deserves to get, you know, punched by a complete stranger, but... A grown-ass man, too. <laughs> Dimitri's maybe, still a child. Uh, Dimitri could have used this as what's called a learning moment. Sure. Sure. No, I, I um, understand. I... Also question why he went by himself, you know, because I'm trying to think if Dimitri has seen Kreese. Because at the Valley Fest, Kreese was behind, you know, the lighting and... I kind of got the impression that he was expecting to meet his friends there. Okay, I suppose you're right. But uh, nonetheless, I still wouldn't have... You know, even if he thought it was just Johnny... Why go in there by yourself? You remember what happened last time? You know, Johnny flipped him on the <laughs> on the mat there. Yeah, yeah. So the music here was very ominous. Um, you know, Dimitri comes running out of the dojo uh, with a bloody nose, uh, kind of bruised like a uh, Georgia peach a little bit. <laughs> kinda, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I just kind of got the impression of. You know, somebody who is playing with a dangerous animal and is too headstrong to realize just what the situation is that they find themselves in. I mean, it's very similar to what happened with him and Johnny. Very, yes. You know, uh, he went about it the wrong way, has not learned his lesson. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually got into a pretty big dispute slash debate at work. Supervisor Seth, who's also a fan of of the show... Um, him and I, well, he thought this scene was funny. Uh, he laughed. He had a big chuckle when Dimitri came out. I go, ooh, you read that scene differently than I did because I didn't find that funny at all. I came, Dimitri came running out. I'm like, what the hell just happened? You know, and um, uh, I, I don't know if it's because I got four kids, maybe because we have a bit of a friendship with Gianni. Uh, I felt a little protective 
I can see why he he laughed because let's face it, Gianni is a very talented comedic actor, and they definitely played with his uh, comedic timing in that entire opening sequence. So they I did. mean, I, I can see why, but I can also see your point of view where, hey, he played with fire and he got burned. Yeah, yeah, he he did. Uh, it was just really sad to see, you know, one of our oh, yeah, yeah, one oh, of yeah. our good guys, you know, kind of just uh, beat up, and obviously we don't get to see what happened. And you know, when we're left to our imagination, you kind of think the worst, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we get a scene of Robbie and Sam at Miyagi-Do. Uh, Robbie suggests a video of them fighting, you know, to make it go viral. Sam doesn't really think it's a good idea. It, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was watching that conversation, all I could think about were all the conversations I've had as a podcaster with uh, uh, our compatriots as far as how to get attention to our show. Uh-huh. That That was all I could think about. And... I really appreciated Daniel's approach where, no, you you can't present a fake image. You you got to be truthful. Right. Um, I do kind of agree with, well, I don't agree with Robbie where he says that the problem about Miyagi-Do is that, uh, you know, it's all defense. But I agree that, you know, at the Valley Fest, nobody was paying attention to them because it wasn't very sexy, right? It wasn't flashy. Exactly. I, yeah. I think uh, perhaps somebody took the wrong lesson from that experience. Yeah. Uh, Sam makes a comment, you know, what, just go to the mall and pick a fight or something? Yeah. Uh, and essentially, I think that, I mean, at the end of the day, Miguel still understandably has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Not Miguel, but uh, Robbie. And he's bringing what he knows to the table. Uh, he comes from a, a background where you get what you want through violence. And I think that might be poking its head out just a little bit here. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to say because, you know, n- neither of us took uh, any type of martial arts. But I kind of agree, you know, with, with the... Uh, with, with the video of the, of them fighting, it's going to bring attention. It is, but it's not an accurate representation of what Daniel's trying to do with his dojo. Yeah, but I don't think, like, Robbie's looking to stage it. But, you know, he's just saying, you know, fight. Like, even if they're just sparring. Yeah, I, I can see that. But I, I still thought it was the wrong approach because that's not what... Miyagi-Do is about at all. Right. It's not about being a badass. It's not about uh, going out and, you know, taking on 20 different people and walking out as the sole survivor. You know, it's it, it just isn't. No, it isn't. I mean, that's why Sam says, you know, what, go to the, to the mall and, or I don't know if it's the mall, but she says, what, just film themselves, you know, defending. Though in Robbie's defense, that did work like gangbusters for Cobra Kai when you consider Miguel's fight in the cafeteria last season. It did. It absolutely did. Oh. So Sam goes to see uh, Daniel, who is working on the classic Ford, and she invites him to go to the back to do some karate. But he tells her a story about his first sales job. So after the events of part three, I believe... Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you ever been involved in a job where you have to 
act as a salesperson? Yes. I actually kind of really picked up on what Daniel was talking about because I've been a salesperson a, a good chunk of my life, and he's absolutely right. Yeah, you can wow people with Flash, but at the end of the day, it's all about your word and trying to make some kind of connection with the client and making them know that you're out to rip them off. So yeah. I think he's absolutely right. And it's a really interesting approach that he's, you know, taking to draw people in. Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, agreeing with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked at a, uh, we'll just call it a fitness club. I won't drop any names, but uh, I worked in membership sales. And um, I didn't like what I was doing. You know, I didn't like the way I worded things, you know, trying mm-hmm. to sell sell a membership, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I was more about, like, the being honest, and ultimately I, st- I stopped doing that and uh, went to work in the front desk, <laughs> just scanning people in. Um, it wasn't my thing. You know, I, I felt like I was being dishonest is why I stopped. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, he just says, to be honest, look them in the eye and ask for their trust. That's the biggest thing. You got to be able to talk with them like a regular person. I mean, I remember overhearing a car salesman at a uh, hotel bar in Chicago where he said that those people aren't my clients. They're my victims. And it's like, wow, you just don't get it at all, do you? Yeah. Poor choice of words there. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Uh, Kreese is telling war stories. And Miguel kind of calls him out. And, um, you know, Kreese doesn't know his geography. Or apparently his history. But I got to say that I was really impressed with Miguel's uh, knowledge of uh, recent American skirmishes. Could it also be, um, you know, Miguel is a little bit more privy to that area because of maybe that's where he's from or that region anyway. Or maybe he just watched Black Hawk Down. That could be. <laughs> that could be. It could be. <laughs> but Black Where was Black Hawk Down? Was that That, that was, was Somalia, in Somalia. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a few years. 2003, right? It's a good movie. Oh, yeah, great movie. Yeah. Um and then we get a Zarkarian sighting who is the uh the the landlord of that strip, which uh we also did uh, interview Ken Davidian. I I I got to give him a a special shout out. I mean, he plays a slime ball so well, but he's anything but in real life. But I, I just I always find myself really entertained whenever he's on screen. He's pretty good. And he's here because he wants to raise the rent. Uh I guess Johnny has more students, so that equates to uh you can pay me more now. Well, that's the problem with those handshake deals. <laughs> you know, you don't have anything in writing, that's the risky run. Yeah, I like this because, you know, it sets up the the storage room, which uh, apparently was included for free uh, in season one. But, you know, we didn't know about it and we're only uh, now seeing it. Um, I thought this was interesting because Zarkarian says, you know, let's basically let's have another handshake deal, like a new deal. What's the new deal? Uh, rent won't be raised? I, I don't know if I missed it. If I had to guess, it'd say chances are... The rent is raised, but that's it. That's where it's capping off. That At least that's kind of the impression that I had where Johnny was coming from. Okay. Because, yeah, he said that, you know, it had been raised just six months ago already. 
Mm-hmm. At least, like I said, at least that's what I uh, took from it. Yeah. Uh, Johnny comes out and has everyone fall in. Uh, he finds Raymond uh, in the ranks, who just wants to kick ass. And God bless him. You know, <laughs> if if nothing else, he might be one of uh, Johnny's most enthusiastic and diehard uh, students. You know, yeah, he's willing to beat up teens. Uh, he's got some extra money because his mom doesn't charge him rent. So nice family. Yeah, but I do like it. He's like, uh, sorry, par- parents aren't allowed liability <laughs> reasons or insurance, in his, insurance or something. In his first uh, uh, reaction to being told that it was a, a, a class for teens, he's like, oh, I could take them. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> uh, love that. Um, Paul Walter Hauser also uh, interviewed. Very great guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny asks if anyone has the balls to take on the champ. And then we get the introduction of Tori with a Y, played by uh, Peyton List here. And real quick, before we skip over it, the best part about it was the entire student body was kind of looking at each other, trying to figure out who is going to step up and who volunteers, but Raymond. Raymond, uh, he reluctantly volunteers. (laughs) But But you uh, know what? I got to give him credit. It's his first day, and he's willing to take on the champ. If that doesn't talk about uh, his character, I don't know what does. Not saying it was the smartest move, but it was certainly brave. Yeah, my my thing is like you just said that uh, you'd be you know you're willing to take on these teenagers, and uh, but you're right, you know he is the only one that is willing to uh, raise his hand. Uh, I do wonder if maybe even well, I guess it was for the new recruits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you get the impression that she was already there, or did she just walk in the door? I got the impression that she had just walked in, maybe a. Uh few moments beforehand okay she pulled a daniel larusso where he kind of slides right in and moses right uh you know without being seen yeah okay uh so they 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 have a little spar i guess you can call it uh was it was it flirtatious at all did, did you, you feel uh i didn't get an impression that they were flirting with each other as much as this was how they or at least this is how Tori chose to introduce herself, and Miguel was pleasantly surprised at her abilities. Yeah, well, not only him, but uh, both Johnny and uh, and Kreese. Yes. Yeah, you could tell that Kreese was taking an interest in her. Yeah, yep. Now, we cut to Daniel, Sam, and Robbie. Uh, They're cruising in the uh, the classic Ford there, heading to the beach club to promote Miyagi-Do. Um, and then we find out that, uh, Robbie used to quote unquote work there. We all know what's he, up. He, I was going to say a, a very heavy, uh, finger quote on that. You know, he was working, but he wasn't on the payroll. Right. Right. Um, I mean, he, I'm sure he got paid though. All right. Also there, uh, Sam runs into Aisha and Tori. Um, now, before we get into that, the idea of them going to the uh, the beach club there, uh, Daniel wanted to talk to the parents about, you know, having their kids sign up for, uh, hopefully, Miyagi-Do. Do you think that was a good option? I thought it was actually really quite clever. Um, and this is where I'm going to tread lightly because I don't want to come off as sexist. But I think Daniel knew he had a better foot in the door by talking to the kids' fathers as opposed to the mothers. 
That's Did you interesting. Catch that? I, I, you know what? I did not. I caught the the one father that he name drops. When... Well, I mean, uh, he had a sit down conversation about uh, the you know current young generation about how they just don't have the same type of uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say drive or ambition because I don't think that's true at all. But they are much more connected through their phones, video games, and the internet in general. Right. So I thought that it was a really smart approach for him to appeal to, A, a father's protective nature, which I think mothers have, but fathers also do as well. Uh, And it's the same reason why a lot of fathers want their kids to join sports. Not necessarily to go out there and tackle people, but just to kind of get them off the couch. Teamwork, you know, learn teamwork Mm -hmm. and, yeah, just discipline uh, discipline and just to, yeah, do something else other than computers, you know, video games. You know, that's 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 where I fell in. You know, I I did not play the sports. Uh, I was more video games, uh, at least for the eh, up until I barely am aware when sports are on television, if that tells you anything. Yeah, I didn't come in. Well, I I was always kind of watching sports, but. Yeah, the one time I was ever asked out uh, to join a a team in high school was when Jake's sister wanted me to join the cheerleaders, and I politely declined. Oh, okay. Well, at least you did it politely. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say, you know, anything rude. It's Jake's sister. Right, right. Um. Okay. So, yes, Sam runs into or sees Aisha uh, and Tori there. And she tells Robbie that maybe they, uh, she should clear the air with her. And I think that's a good idea. Absolutely. It shows a lot of maturity on her part, I think. Uh, I mean, I think Sam understands that the rivalry isn't between her and Aisha. It's between Johnny and Daniel. Right. So she does go talk to Aisha. You know, they're they're both getting some food there. And I like this. I just like the fact that they are kind of talk th- talking things out. At this point, Sam's not really acting like her dad. Uh, yeah. And they're, you know, they're just kind of, they're talking about how basically, you know, the commercials, right? The Cobra Kai stomped over their demonstration, but that's because of Mr. LaRusso shading Cobra Kai in his commercial. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, did you get the impression that had certain events in this episode not panned out the way that they did that Sam and Aisha would have been all right after this? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And at this point, uh, Robbie, who is sunbathing, gets asked to leave by the, I don't know, Mater D or something? Yeah, um, I think given his implied history at that location, it's not unreasonable for the staff to not really welcome him with open arms. But I really appreciated what Amanda did as a follow-up. Yeah. Now, do you get the impression that Robbie was caught stealing? Or did he kind of do what he did at that uh, like computer repair shop, you know, where he pretended to work there? I'm not sure. Uh, no matter what it was that he and his uh, compatriots got up to, it was no good. And... I, like I said, I could see why the people who are in charge of the place might not want him there. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, um, you know, just in the little bit of dialogue we get, I'm under the impression, at least, that 
he was told, you know, if you ever step foot in here again, we'll call the cops. Yes. Uh, shenanigans were definitely ensued by Robbie at that location. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, Amanda helps him out. Um, and Robbie pretty much tells her, you know, that uh, he was a different person before he met them. And uh, and she says, you know, basically, we, we've all made mistakes. Yep. I think the line was something along like, uh, it doesn't matter what you did. It only matters what you did next. Right. And yeah. I think that's a great Not bad line. advice. No, not at all. Um, and then we cut back to Johnny, who overhears Crease on the phone. Uh, he is not happy, and he tells Johnny that, uh, you know, he's staying at the Universal Sh- Sheraton? Sheraton? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that possibly uh, the housekeeping has taken off with one of his watches. Now, well, you know what? Go ahead and I'll, I'll save this for a, a later scene. Okay. But it definitely catches Johnny and he has, uh, you know, Chris has Johnny's attention. Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, we go back to the beach club and Daniel's talking to some of the dads about karate. And mm-hmm. then we we get Aisha's mom, played by Kim Fields. I didn't even recognize her at first. Did you? I did. I did. Uh, her voice. And she still pretty much looks the same. Now, I know people... Um, know her from facts of life i actually know her more from a uh, living single mm-hmm. yeah i grew up uh when i was a little little kid that was like the prime time for a facts of life so um uh, i i wish i could say differently but i'll always associate her with the role of uh tootie okay yeah i have seen that name floating around uh facts of life not my i i, I hate to say before my time but i believe it was well considering how big of an, an 80s aficionado you are, definitely try to catch a, a couple episodes. I feel like I have. Um, I don't remember. There's one girl that I can picture right now that was maybe not tomboyish, but... Oh, that was Joe. Okay, maybe it's Joe then. Yeah. Yeah, that... You that... know, if nothing else, it's got one of the great 80s uh, sitcom theme songs. Yes, yes it does. Uh, it's a earbug, earworm, earworm. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that may come up in some feedback I saw. <laughs> mm. Uh so Mrs. Robinson uh tells the other dads about um you know Aisha being in Cobra Kai and it's you know pretty much the best thing that's happened to her and they kind of compare it to like a Van Halen concert. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because I- let's face it, I mean they went out to impress. They wanted to get Cobra Kai's name out there, and they succeeded. I think we both agreed on the previous episode that if we were at the Valley Fest, it'd be Cobra Kai. Oh, all the way. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any secret there. That's uh, that was talk talk about sexy performance uh, right there. Demonstration. You got the flips, uh, board breaks, cinder blocks on fire, music. Miyagi Do had music too, but it was a little different. I mean, Moon said it, right? In that episode, she's like, well, is there going to be fighting? Or, you know, something to that effect. (laughs) Now we find out that Tori has swiped a bottle of vodka. And um, Sam's there, too. Tells her to put it back. Uh, Yeah. I mean, not only do you have an MIP charge that you're flirting with, but you're stealing private property at a private country club. You know, and you'd figure that uh, Aisha would want her to put it back because 
as her guest, anything that Tori does reflects directly on Aisha. Well, and not only that, her her mom is there. You know, so it's not like the the girls went there on their own. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. If something were to happen, well, yeah, Mrs. Robinson is there, and that's I not can't a good even look. imagine the ass kicking I would get from my father if one of my friends pulled a stunt like that. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so what do you think? Do you think Sam? Do you think Sam's in the right here? Do you think maybe absolutely she should? Absolutely, she is. Yeah. Okay, okay. I honestly, I was kind of. I was not hoping, but I thought that we might get the first Mind Your Own Goddamn Business, uh, Samantha. No, because it directly <laughs> affects her, and it affects her friend. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But I wasn't sure where you would go, you know, uh, with this. Gotcha. But um, Tori, she invites Aisha to go have just one drink, and she goes with her. Daniel is walking along the beach. Uh, he's He's... He's disappointed, sad, upset, right? You know, everybody's talking about Cobra Kai. Nobody's even listening to him about Miyagi-Do. And he sees a man fishing up ahead who kind of resembles uh, Miyagi. Yeah, from uh, looking at him from the distance, uh, I could definitely catch a similarity. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite quotes of the entire series, uh, this fisherman who... Daniel tells him that uh, kind of reminded him of a of a friend. He tells Daniel, if you got something worth biting, eventually the fish will find you. Very true. Very true. I can apply that to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that is a very appropriate comparison, sir. So if our podcast is worth biting, people will find it. Of course, now you realize that you're inviting people to bite you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I I don't know what to say to that. Uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> I didn't know whether to go inappropriate. Uh, I mean, um, well, not your arm. Sure, Keep your sure, mind sure. out of the gutter, sir. There might or, be children I can listening. Be, I could be like, bite me. You know, uh, one of those too. Uh, all right. Now we find out that Amanda's wallet has gone missing. Uh, Robbie has the idea to check the beach because he might have an idea of where it could have possibly have gone. Uh, Sam sees Aisha and Tori walking off and laughing and thinks it's possibly them. Now, this might be where I have to fall off of the Team Sam bandwagon. Okay. Because as crappy as it is to steal a bottle of booze from the bar that's kind of a a leap to think that Aisha would take part in somebody stealing her mother's wallet but what if she didn't think that Aisha was a part of it that you know because the vodka was stolen without Aisha Aisha's knowledge yeah but since that time hadn't uh, Tori and Aisha been next to each other pretty much the entire time yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. There there could have been a better way to have addressed it rather than to confront her and then try to grab the bag from her. Um, yeah, especially because, I mean, I mean, maybe it's just something that I've uh, been able to pick up on life. But you can tell from a, a person's body language whether or not they're really, truly lying in a situation like that. Well, I mean, and when, I got the impression that Tori, in this instance, was absolutely telling the truth. Oh, sure. I mean, she was saying, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And you know, even kind of 
uh, steps back a little bit to be like, I don't know whether tell me more or why do you think that I did this? But no, I, I agree with you. I think my initial watch when Robbie suggested the beach, I felt that Robbie had an idea. Um, so I was just kind of watching, you know, Sam to kind of see where this would go. Um, mm-hmm. I recently made a meme uh, based off of, uh, you know, Sam asks or says, hey, my mom's wallet has gone missing. You wouldn't happen to know anything about it, would you? You know, something to that effect. Uh, Aisha replies, Sam, she would not steal your mom's wallet or something like that. But it's the way Nicole Brown delivers that line. And I don't know if it's the inflection, but it reminded me of the wallet guy, quote unquote wallet guy from Back to the Future 2. Do you remember that scene? Uh, refresh my memory again, sir. So this is towards the end of Back to the Future Part 2 where, um, Marty Prime. Okay, yep. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yep. Yep. And then he he steals the almanac back from Biff. Yep. Yeah. Right and then, after Biff gets laid out by George. Yes. And, uh, so it's right after that. And then as Marty runs off, there's a wallet guy who's like, did you just take his wallet? You know, and there's must have been like four variations of that line. But uh, maybe I'll, you know, if I can find the audio, I'll, I'll drop it here and see what people think. Are you freaking kidding me? Sam, she didn't steal your mom's wallet. He just took that guy's wallet. This this is my, my season one uh, drum knocking on the door, right? The drum toy knocking on the door. <laughs> so I think uh, I posted it on Instagram. And somebody did say that that's a bit of a reach. But I'm, again, you know, it's uh, you hear what you want to hear, right? Yeah. And um, at this point, Sam tries to grab Tori's bag, and Tori shoves her over a table of food, and we kind of get the uh, the father daughter, <laughs> you know, runs in the family here that uh, they they get food spilt on them, uh, as as <laughs> Daniel did in the first movie after watching Allie and Johnny kiss. Nice little callback. Yeah, I, I thought that was clever. Yeah, I I had to look a few times to see if there was any type of spaghetti, but nope, no spaghetti. Uh, Then we get Robbie. He finds the wallet stash, I I, I suppose. You know, they kind of taped it under some steps or something. Yeah, I I have a feeling that might have been exactly what it was that got Robbie on the country clubs or or the beach clubs uh, radar. I have a feeling that chances are that was the scam that he was pulling back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we find out from Trey, you know, he, uh, once Robbie gets hit with the, was it, was it an oar or something like that? I think mm-hmm. he, yeah, by uh, a third third guy here. And even Trey says, come on, Robbie, you know, you know, this is a three-man gig or whatever. Um, I, I don't have that third guy's name, but uh, uh, he is huge, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Pretty big. Pretty he big. He is definitely... Uh... He has a very good future ahead of him as a goon. Yes. Um, Robbie also set up uh, a camera. And this kind of reminded me of uh, the first season as well, when they were supposed to go break into uh, LaRusso's. And, um, you know, Robbie fights Cruz and Trey. And their surveillance camera is kind of what stops stops them from, you know, taking further action. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit different in this scene, obviously, uh, because Robbie has been wanting to film them fighting, you know, to uh, for for viral marketing. Uh, did you catch what Robbie says as he uh, gets in his karate stance, ready to fight? Mm, I probably did, but it slipped in my mind. 
He says, bring it. Okay. Somebody says something very similar later on in the season. Okay. I thought he was just quoting The Rock. Bring it on. No. Okay. Um, What did you think about seeing Cruz and Trey again in the scene? I like the fact that uh, they are kind of his links to his past in a way. Uh, I kind of, I mean, if you want to look a little bit deeper underneath the surface, I think the subtext of this is that he is finally, or at least doing his best effort to move past that lifestyle and that made it official. Yeah. Um, I thought this was really interesting that Cruz brought a switchblade along with him and I forget the exact wording, but he's talking about, um, you know, I got the Let's impression. Let's leave him something to remember us by. Yeah. Is that me or does that remind you of it? Yes. That okay. was the very first thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that's what I got uh, as well. Which, In all fairness, a lot of movies have done that. Oh, sure. Sure. That, that was the first one I went to, you know, thinking 80s. Uh, and I can't wait for part two later. Yes. Yeah. The trailer looked amazing. So Daniel comes and saves the day, right? So in season one, we got Johnny saving. Eh, he didn't save Miguel, but he came to Miguel's rescue, you know, after being jumped in the the, the boys' locker room at school. Um, this one is uh, he comes to Robbie's defense. Yeah, and the key word there was defense. I, I thought I thought uh, Daniel held him his own. Uh, and he did just enough to fend off the attackers. I thought it was uh, very well played on his part. Yeah, and you know the the, the style uh, looks very different from what we have seen before. So um, you know his uh, experience in karate has evolved. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to uh, Johnny, who finds Crease and a guy named Larson. Uh, that's the name of the character. Well, real quick, you, you skipped over something that I thought was actually kind of important, where he was following Crease, kind of tailing him in the uh, the Cobra mobile. That's right. Uh, I did have a note written down where he says, what are you up to? Uh, I, I forgot to bring it up. I was going to include it with this part right here, just because it was okay. like like five seconds. Uh, but yes, not very discreet, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is making me wonder how much of the events that we're seeing between Kreese and Johnny in this episode were kind of orchestrated in order to really get, I mean, for lack of a better term, to really kind of sink his, his fangs into Johnny. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but what's the alternative? He, he has no other cars. Uh, I think this is one of those that they just hoped that we wouldn't think about it, I feel. It's it's possible, it, but it's, it's I so mean... It's so pimped out, he, though, you know? Like, <laughs> Kreese is... He could have followed him on foot. He could have. But, you know, Kreese is even, like, looking over his shoulder and stuff, too. No, I, I think that Kreese knew exactly what was going on as far as being followed by Johnny. You think so? I think he... I, I, I genuinely do. Hmm. I mean, that was the whole reason why he had the loud argument on the phone, supposedly, with the staff at the hotel. He knew he was within earshot of Johnny. He knew that he was going to pique his interest. I think the whole thing, uh, maybe not staged, but I, I think he had the whole thing planned down to a T. 
he knew that he really screwed up when he was talking to the class about his adventures in the military. He knew that Miguel was going to come to Johnny with his concerns. And I think that he not only did this to smooth things over, but to really kind of uh, ingratiate himself to Johnny and make a strong foothold in the new Cobra Kai. Right. Hmm. I like that. I like that, actually. I like that. Um... (laughs) And real quick, before we yes. change the subject, uh, there's been a lot of attention rightfully given toward uh, William Zapka's performance uh, in this season. I thought that that uh, Martin Cove did a masterful job when he was sitting down in his dorm room talking to Johnny about the events that have happened to him since uh, uh, Karate Kid 3. I just thought his... Uh, his facial expressions, his body language, uh, his vocal delivery, where he was presenting himself as completely broken and defeated, I thought was very well done on his part. I thought so, too. Uh, we get a drop of, you know, the trip to Tahiti from Karate Kid mm-hmm. 3, uh, the events that happened in there. He kind of tells that story as well. Did, we we kind of skipped a part. I wanted to kind of just briefly bring up. but Oh, oh when, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no worries. Uh, when Johnny finds Kreese, um, you know, shouting with Larson, there was something about his footlocker and, you know, breaking the lock open. Did you happen to see the footlocker in this next scene where Kreese and Johnny... It was wrapped in chains? Yeah. So... What's in there? What is in there? But also from what you just said, if this has all been, you know, uh, what you know, thought out and planned. You know, if if Crease was like two steps ahead of, ahead of Johnny this entire time, is there anything at all in there? You know what I mean? I mean, he's already given Johnny the the trophy in the first episode. There couldn't possibly be anything, right? I'm willing to bet that the roommate probably didn't. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm positive that not only did the uh, roommate not break the the locker because he had found an alternate method of locking it it just kind of reaffirms my belief that the whole thing was staged Mm -hmm. because he he locked it with a chain and padlock right because the the chain no one's getting into that exactly the 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 chain is still there so it's not like the guy was successful so hmm that is very what's the point of breaking the padlock or breaking the simple foot locker lock if you have a heavy chain and what I'm assuming is a pod lock. I don't think they actually showed it. Uh, there is a lock uh, on the chain. Yeah, so it didn't make any difference whether or not the actual attached lock was broken anyway. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if it's anything like the Cincinnati box. Hmm. I think there might be a connection there, sir. Yeah, maybe. Uh, hopefully not a fetus, right? Uh, I. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> now I'm just picturing Crease going around, you know, on on foot, lugging that thing across the country. Where was that? Where did I hear that? Was that in the movie? That was in Hot Tub Time Machine, okay. yeah. Okay, all right, all right. I, oh God, I hope I didn't hear that, like, in a separate conversation, and somebody's going to be like, well, Jesus, Peter, that's morbid, <laughs> you know, morbid thought. Um, all right, moving on. Um, yes, I agree, Martin Cove. Uh, this this is where we're uh, you know supposed to kind of feel bad for him a little bit. Uh, the his his rough patch that he went through. You're supposed to feel bad for him, but I don't. Mm-hmm. 
So Johnny decides to give him a second chance. Um, says that Kreese taught him defeat does not exist in this dojo, and offers him a chance at redemption. But and, but he's uh, gonna follow his rules, obviously. On one hand, I applaud Johnny because he wouldn't be in the position where he is right now if people weren't giving him a second chance. But sometimes maybe people don't deserve second chances because the tiger, or in this case, a cobra, doesn't t- change its spots. Yeah, you you really have to just be mindful of who you're giving second chances to. Um, mm-hmm. You know this this man almost killed him. Exactly because he lost at a tournament. Yeah, uh, he's nothing. He's a loser. Uh, second place, you know, amounted to 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 nothing. So I would have been a little bit more careful. I think he was just too quick to give him, you know, the shot at redemption just because of the sur- surrogate father relationship. They once had. Yeah. Uh, I, I I can understand his motivation, uh, if not his logic. I think that's the best way I can sum that up. Yeah. Um, we go back to Miyagi-Do, and Sam's on her phone. Uh, we see that Aisha is not responding to her text messages. And Robbie... I don't know if he just woke up from nursing his uh, concussion, perhaps, um, but talks to Daniel and says, hey, you know, I videotaped all of that. Yeah, and Daniel didn't want to have anything to do with that. Yeah. What, what did you think? I mean, you know, Daniel says that's not what Miyagi-Do is about. As many faults as I think Daniel has as a character in both seasons... At the end of the day, he's still a good person, and I think that this is just exemplary of him being a good person. He's not interested in presenting an image of being an ass-kicker and name-taker. He's there to kind of promote a way of life, and I thought that it was very, very well-written. Uh, I thought it was very well-acted on Ralph Macchio's part. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, he's telling them, telling them to be patient, right? I mean, he did... Just um, learn another great quote from, uh, I don't want to say fake Miyagi, but, uh, you know, beach Miyagi, <laughs> right? <laughs> About, uh, if you know, the, the, the biting and, you know. Um, you know, he he knows that he has to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not just his name that's out there. He's, uh, he's gambling with the legacy of Mr. I'm sorry, he's gambling with the reputation of Mr. Miyagi. Yep, yep. And about this time, we get uh, Dimitri walks in the door, and he wants to learn karate. Yeah, uh, of course, he can't help but being himself, and the first thing he does is ask how much it costs to maintain a koi pond. Yeah. I think after season one ended, uh, even our review, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if we actually ever brought it up, but I think... The consensus was that if Dimitri was to join a dojo, it would be Miyagi-Do. I remember there was some debate going on about it, but I I think it's the natural environment for him. I mean, um, this this season one finale, you know, he talks about, you know, kind of rethinking things. Uh, So we knew it would happen. You know, I'm happy to see Dimitri with Miyagi-Do because his defense, right? So... It's kind of in line what he's kind of looking for. He doesn't want to, 
you know, he wants to kick and punch, but doesn't want to get kicked or punch. You know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can avoid it by blocking and learning things uh, by the way of Miyagi-Do. Uh, I just loved the expression on Ralph Macchio's face when he knew he had a bite and all it would really take would be one person to get the ball rolling. And I think uh, this kind of this kind of uh, was exactly what he needed when he needed it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, great timing. All great things come to those that wait. And he was just preaching patience. Exactly. We cut back to uh, Cobra Kai Dojo, and Johnny is teaching the back thrust kick, which he kind of demonstrates. And Hawk asks, "What a uh, what a what if the what if you're attacked from behind? What if your yeah attacker comes from behind or something like that?" And I like the way this is, you know, staged and blocked and all that stuff. Johnny goes, why don't you take this sensei or, you know, whatever. And then we see Crease, And not just Crease, the man is back in the black gi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was very interesting because didn't Crease uh, attack Johnny from behind at the beginning of Karate Kid 2? Uh, well, I mean, the way he was holding him was from behind, but I feel mm-hmm. they were facing each other. But either way, I mean, Kreese has always struck me as the type of uh, person who would attack a person at any kind of weakness they had. Didn't matter if it was uh, fighting dirty. So to have him demonstrate how to defend yourself from a attack from behind, I thought was an interesting choice. Right. I mean, he says, you know, when your opponent has their guard down, that's when you strike the hardest. And I kind of got, I, I thought that was a, a nice little metaphor for Johnny. Exactly. No, Johnny I, let his guard down. I, I picked up on that as well, but that also goes against what Johnny was just trying to trying to teach them at the, the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, Miguel does address uh, some concerns to Johnny, and he said there's nothing to worry about, so... Uh, yeah, Miguel's not feeling it. I don't think Johnny is either. So that concludes our review for this episode, episode four, The Moment of Truth. A lot of groundwork laid in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, the foreshadowist, shadowist of foreshadows? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Very dark foreshadowing in this episode. Yes, sir. And we have now reached the point in the episode where we will bring on Brianna to do her Easter eggs. Let me tell you about my first girlfriend. Hey, welcome back yet again to Brianna's Easter egg. Easter eggs. Always, always a pleasure to speak with you, ma'am. Hello, nice to talk to you. I still don't have a name. Yeah, uh, how about Brianna's Easter egg part four? That's so boring. (laughs) All right, people, send in some suggestions. But I am totally boring. I cannot think of anything. For the first time in my life, I cannot think of a Karate Kid tie-in, period. I cannot think of anything. Hmm. Okay. Well, we still have a few more episodes to go. before We'll probably figure it out on the last episode. (laughs) There we go. By the time, yeah, by the time we get to, by the time we get to No Mercy, we'll be good. Um, Okay, so starting with the title, of course, Moment of Truth, theme song from The Karate Kid, Mm -hmm. a survivor song, one of my favorite songs. I love that song. Um, 
not so much an Easter egg is just a really, really strange thing. I noticed um, when Dimitri is at the dojo and he's talking to Kreese. And he's talking about the snake's eye and they zoom in real close on the, the narrow eyeball. And then they flash up to Kreese and he has the exact same expression on his face and he's holding his eyes the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I don't think the eyeball on the snake on his arm is supposed to be a snake's. I think it's supposed to be his. Okay. Um, uh, remember I had said when we did the last episode that this is where foreshadowing starts coming in, like, really, really super heavy? Yeah, we talked about some of those. And we didn't go into detail, but we, we brought some up. Right. The The biggest one, of course, uh, well, up in, up until this point. The um, should we go to the mall and pick a fight and tape ourselves? And yep. Sam saying that's a terrible idea. Yep. Um, when Daniel gets in the Ford, he leans back against the headrest and throws his arm back and throws his arms back. And that's exactly what he did the first time he sat in it when he was 16 years old. Um, Johnny squeezing Zarkarian's hand, doing the you know, super crazy handshake and not letting go. Chosen did that to Daniel when they got off the airplane. Ah, right, right, right. Hmm. Not necessarily an Easter egg or a callback or anything like that, but it makes me very, very happy when the camera comes around behind the kids at the Cobra Kai. Miguel is still wearing Johnny's gi because his snake is faded. Everyone else's is super dark black. Oh, did not catch that one. When they get to the beach club, Robbie is wearing an Ocean Pacific t-shirt from 1984, 1985, somewhere around there. That is an actual Ocean Pacific pattern. I don't know if they recreated or if they went and found one that was that old, but that is an actual Ocean Pacific pattern and nothing screams 1980s California. Of course, like OP. Um, Daniel talking to the other dads. He says, back in our day, our moms knew there was a problem when we came home with a black eye. Yep. Well, that one should be obvious. Lucille found out there was a problem when her son came home with half his face bruised. Let me, let me see those uh, baby browns. Yes, yes. Thank God for aviator shades. <laughs> And when the the dad asks him what he's doing to change it up, he goes, funny you should ask. Which is exactly what Mr. Miyagi said to him when he asked him what the sanders were for the floor. Ah, And yeah. in almost the exact same inflection, too. Interesting. Um, I don't know that she's so much an Easter egg or 1980s or just screaming would have been better if she'd been on roller skates with her hair and pigtails, but uh, 2D, there's not much more that screams 80s than Kim Fields. Um, I, I reference Living Single. That's that's what I know her best from. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> but but Tom says that the girl that I, I remember the most is uh, named Joe. <laughs> yes. There was Joe, Blair, um, George Clooney came from that show, you know. That I did know, yes. Uh, okay. I, I feel Joe is one that caught my eye when I probably watched it when I was younger. Like I didn't watch it like that, though. I, I don't know anything. I knew Kim Fields was in it, and the Joe character was a bit of a tomboy. Incredible tomboy. Okay. All right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew some things. What show did Facts of Life come from? Ah. <laughs> a, a show? Duh. It's a spinoff. <laughs> Which one? You know, that one. 
Wasn't it actually a spinoff of a spinoff, if I'm remembering correctly? It was a spinoff of Different Strokes. And wasn't Different Strokes a spinoff of another show, I thought? Maud, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, I know that Family Matters is a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Now, I did not know that. Yeah. I, I still, I, I still, um, I've never actually done it, but I do still type, you know, that I'm doing the Meposian Dance of Joy and no one ever knows what the uh, hell I'm talking about. Yeah. The, the, the connection is Harriet. Harriet was on Perfect Strangers. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. She was. Oh, wow. See, remember what I said about the 80s? Everything can be tied together one way or another? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the TGIF, they had Steve Urkel visit every single show, step-by-step, Full House, some others I can't think of right now. Yeah, that's because, you know, Urkel. And the whole (laughs) TGIF was supposed to be a universe in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So then we have the um, obvious anvil Easter egg, the Mr. Miyagi's double on the beach. Random observation that I have to make. Daniel practically runs up to this guy. Yes. Like he's expecting him to be Mr. Miyagi. Right. Who's been dead for seven years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he sometimes talks to himself. Maybe now he thinks he's seeing things. If he's that far gone that he honestly thinks he's seeing things, then he has a bit more of a problem than Johnny. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, may- maybe he is uh, comes from the lineage of Miyagi who knows fishing, you know? Isn't he Latino? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Um, when Amanda notices that her wallet is missing, um, I went back over it a couple times. Everyone, of course, is wearing the same uniform, but I think the big guy is standing right behind Robbie. I can't really tell because he's out of focus, but I think that's him. Interesting. Okay. I have to go back and look at that. Um, And he's like clearing a a table or something behind him. Like he had, you know, just walked past Amanda, possibly. Uh, Then the obvious uh, Sam covered in chocolate pudding and pumpkin whatever and all of that is Daniel covered in spaghetti. I bet it didn't burn as much, though. No, no. No. Uh, the fight with Trey and Cruz, we have got so many different fights that Daniel and Mr. Miyagi were involved in. Well, no, Daniel was the victim of and Mr. Miyagi was involved in. Um, we've got Daniel leaping down off of the, the deck, which is Mr. Miyagi jumping over the fence, um, beating the crap out of the guys, um, he he tells the big guy, you know, to to let him go, and it's the exact same inflection that Mr. Miyagi used when he was telling Crease to let Johnny go in the parking lot. We've got the knife, which is chosen. We've got the the choke the chokehold that Robbie is in, which is Daniel in the garden. It's just like every fight from every movie all thrown into one with the exception of Mike threatening to throw Daniel off a mountain, because it's kind of hard to do that on a beach, I guess. Yes. Um, And I had also mentioned in the last episode that if you pay attention, Kreese leaves all kinds of little Easter eggs and dropped hints and things like that for Johnny about what's going on that you don't really pay attention to 
as they're happening, but looking back on them and watching the episodes again afterwards, it becomes pretty obvious. When he's in that fight with, oh, I just forgot the character's name, Trey McGriff. Oh, Larson. Larson. Uh, When he's yelling at Larson, he yells that he's been in that shelter for three weeks. This is after the 4th of July. He walked into the dojo the night of May 19th, three weeks before the 4th of July is the first week of June. So where did he live for the three weeks in between? Interesting. Okay. Mm. Very, very tiny one. And I'm almost willing to bet I'm the only one who noticed this one because I'm almost willing to bet I'm the only one who cares. In September, October, when they were filming, John Hurwitz said, here's a filming, you know, he was, he was giving us the goofy little pictures since they couldn't give us any real filming pictures. He was posting just random photos from the set every day. One of those pictures was a can of Bush's baked beans, which is sitting on Crease's bedside table. Ah, there it is. Huh. <laughs> I remember that um, one, yeah. Yeah, I, everybody remembers the baked beans because we were all like, oh, no, what's it mean? It, it means there's a can of baked beans on Crease's bedside table for some reason. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, <laughs> when you're poor, you're poor. When you're pretending to be poor, you're poor. Yes, okay. Mm. Um, then we've got him, you know, him and Johnny having their deep, in-depth talk about, you know, all the things that he said he did versus all the things that he didn't really do. He does not answer Johnny when Johnny asks him if the trip to Tahiti was real. We obviously know it was because we watched him go. And we, and we saw him there. Yes. And what, what was her name? Uh, Mamona. Hmm. And her friend. Uh, he also says something about the army having bullshit psychiatrists now that would not let him in. I don't know if they went all the way to declare him Section 8. They maybe should have. Um, but we're not talking about him trying to re-enlist in 2018. We're talking about in 1985. Uh-huh. So why is he talking about the psychiatrists now? And then he talks about one of his war buddies offering him a job. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone if that war buddy turns out to be Terry Silver, uh, since we know that Terry had the money and the means, and he said he felt like it was charity, and he had also told Terry in Karate Kid 3 that he didn't need the charity. You know, he wasn't coming to him for charity. He was coming for him, you know, to hand the keys back to the dojo and all of that. He has a poster, an autographed poster, hanging on the wall behind his bed. It says, Dear Johnny, thank you for the great food, Susie Johnson. I have no idea who that is. I have no idea what that means. But once I saw it was there, I absolutely had to zoom in and read it. Because it looks like Crease is an autograph hound. I think this was actually asked in, in a feedback, too. So that's that's interesting that you have that on there. We were kind of speculating a little bit in our review, but do you have any thoughts about Kreese's footlocker and having the chain, it, it being chained up with the padlock? Well, I think he's definitely got stuff in there that he doesn't want anyone to see. I don't know what it is. Um... The argument that Johnny hears him have on the phone first watch through and then, you know, coming back and he's fighting with Larson and all of this and and not being able to look back on it 
through the lens of everything that happened after. I thought he was either yelling at Larson or the woman who runs the facility right on the phone. Um, I don't think that anymore. I think he was yelling at someone else, another character that we are well acquainted with. And I, <laughs> this is how the depth of my hatred for this character. <laughs> um, <sighs> and through all the rewatches and all the, the theorizing and speculating and uh, deep diving and everything that I do on this stuff, I think this entire thing was a setup. Thank I think yeah. he set it up to where Larson, you know, was in on it from the very beginning and they weren't really fighting over anything. Tom actually said this too. Well, I didn't think that Larson was in on it. I thought uh, that Larson was kind of uh, patsy in the whole situation just because the, the I, I think that chained up footlocker shows that the lock was broken off a long time ago. Yes. You know? It didn't look like recent damage. No. So it, it, I, I think it, it, the whole thing was just a setup to get Johnny to lower his defenses. Right. And it may or may not be whether Larson is a patsy or whether he was in on it. You know, I really do think there is a lot of money behind John Kreese at this point. I have a suspicion where it's coming from. And I hate that man more than I do this one. So... If he was paid, that would under you know that would that he would keep his mouth shut because he's not gonna you know say anything that might blow it and blow his payday. Um, if he's a patsy, he's probably terrified of this man, so he would just kind of you know trot out without saying a word with his tail between his legs. Hmm. Very um, interesting. But yeah, there there's there's just there's no way, and this is this is the episode that I look back to, and I I typed it all up. Johnny is following him in a custom-painted black and bright yellow V8 Dodge Challenger. It's not a quiet car. Exactly, yeah. And Kreese crosses the crosswalk literally right in front of Johnny's front bumper. Like, the camera is in the front seat of the car, and we watch Kreese cross the street in front of him. He knows he's there. This is a special forces officer. This is a man who went to OCS and then special forces training on top of it. He knows when he's being followed, especially by that car. Hmm. Mm. Good you point. Know, there, yeah. There's, there's no way that he did not know Johnny was there. This was all intentional. Now, do but, you believe me, Peter? Uh, I now hold on. I never said I didn't <laughs> believe you. <laughs> yes. Now that it has been. Uh, confirmed by Brianna. Yes, now I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll if, take it. If that's what you want me to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. I No, you guys uh, definitely, um, or I, I believe you guys are onto something there. I, I just think, and this, this episode actually makes me watch Karate Kid 3 and look at it with a different lens too, because I've always thought, thought that, you know, oh, well, he told him not to do it, and he told him not to go after them, and you don't have to do this. I look back at it now... And he went to Terry knowing that what he was going to say was going to set him off. He set that up, too. Mm -hmm. I have zero love for this man. And everything he has ever done in any of these movies or any of these episodes is now questionable to me. And I'm looking for the ulterior motive. 
Yeah, but on the other hand, that's the hallmark of a really good, well-written character and uh, the acting ability of Martin uh, Cove. If you can hate a character that much, they must be doing something right. Absolutely, and he plays him to absolute perfection. I take nothing away from Martin Cove and actually give him all the accolades in the world for what he has done with this character because it's amazing. And the writing that they make me hate him this much, but make him draw me in so far that I'm digging all this stuff up is also amazing. And it's it's the kind of depth that most show writers and script writers don't give us. Like, none of them do anymore. It's all surface entertainment now. This is not. And I believe wholeheartedly that is a huge part of the reason why I love it as much as I do because it is so much more than anyone else gives us and -hmm. it's something that I have loved for so long so much in the first place ah what it must be like to to be you you know to to get something like this you know and and it doesn't disappoint right people who wait for reboots and remakes and um time and time again are disappointed with said product uh, we get Cobra Kai here, and it's just, we always talk about the writing, right? Just how well uh, developed the characters are, um, the story, uh, mm-hmm. storytelling of it. Awesome. And, and this comes after, you know, decades of disappointment, because I've right. watched so many things that I loved and cherished from my childhood be turned into these horrible, terrible things. I, uh, I, I loved the A Team, loved everything about it. Never missed an episode. And then, uh, when they give me the reboot, they give me Liam Neeson with plastic hair. No, <laughs> yeah, that's not Hannibal. And Battlestar Galactica. You know, every episode, never missed one. Watched it in repeats. Loved the hell out of it. What do you mean Starbucks a woman and why is Boomer an android? Uh, it, it, it just, it, everything was so wrong. You know, here's 21 Jump Street. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. What do you mean you killed Tommy and Doug? No. <laughs> <laughs> everything from my childhood that gets brought back up gets destroyed. Except yeah. this. And I was terrified of this. Right. When my son first told me they were making it, I was like, it's going to suck. They're going to destroy it. I'm not going to watch it. And obviously that didn't last. I was going to say, here we are. <laughs> here we are. And I told the story at the, the Rose City Comic Con where I met a young lady uh, all decked out in, you know, LaRusso gear. And she she refused to watch Cobra Kai. And as as we, you know, kind of left each other, I, I had her, uh, I guess, I don't know if I convinced her, but she said that she would watch the, the pilot, you know, because I kind of, you know... What what did Mariano say? That like kind of just a, a friendly nudge, you know, to, uh, to to check it out. So I wish that we exchanged, you know, like Twitter or something, so I can see if she's watched it. But uh, there were some people who were very scared uh, of what it was going to be. Yeah, I was. I mean, when I was absolutely petrified, and what actually pulled me into it, because in my mind, you know, no more kings sweep the leg video. That was the sequel. And that was just the way it was, and I didn't need anything else. And then my husband watched the first episode, and he came up to the living room, and he's like, you have to watch this. And I said, no, 
I'm not going to. And I told him about the video. And, you know, Johnny's a drunk and he's hanging out in the trailer with all the other Cobras and uh, Daniel's driving around in this fancy car and, you know, all of this stuff. And then the first shot after the All Valley is Johnny laying on the floor drunk and Daniel's driving around in a nice car. (laughs) And I look at my husband and I go, holy shit, it's the music video. And from that minute on, I was I was in. I was all there because the very beginning of Ace Degenerate was No More Kings. And it just kind of led me right into it. Yeah. Which I thought was brilliantly done. I don't know if they did it on purpose. They probably did with these guys because they do everything on purpose. Oh, yeah. There are very few coincidences in this show. I don't think there are any coincidences in this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, er- everything is definitely on purpose, you know, set up and, and all of that. Uh, did you have any more Easter eggs? Oh, yeah, I've got another page. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I let us off on a tangent. Um, during this discussion, Cree says that he came to the dojo because he heard about what Johnny did in the All Valley. He walked through Johnny's door three, maybe four hours later. How the hell did he hear what happened? I think he was there. And there is a screenshot that someone has... I I can't remember who it was, but I know that they posted it. They said, hey, do you think this is him? There is a silhouette of a man leaning against the door behind Johnny on the side of the mat. And he's backlit, and all you can see, of course, is the silhouette. Until they tell me otherwise, in my mind, that is John Kreese. He stood there and he watched it happen. Yeah, I think Rick posted that. Was that Rick? Okay, I I will give him props for that, because I do absolutely think that that was him. If it wasn't Martin Cove, then uh, it's Kreese in my mind, until they tell me it's not. When Dimitri shows up at Miyagi-Do, Daniel looks up at the sky. And I love that because as the rest of the season goes on and Dimitri irritates the living hell out of Daniel every chance he gets, not on purpose, just by being Dimitri, he never succeeds in like pushing Daniel away. And I think him looking up at the sky is why I think that he honestly believes this man who for some reason thought that he was running up to his dead friend on the beach thinks that Mr. Miyagi sent Dimitri to him. I like that. So he's going to do what he can to turn him into the best that he can. And then Daniel says to him, you've come to the right place. Immediately, it's completely, completely different circumstances, uttered for completely different reasons. Daniel has said that line before. He says that to Allie at the dance when she sticks the flower through the shower curtain and says her flower needs water. (laughs) He opens the curtain and says, you've come to the right place, stranger. Yeah, completely different circumstances, but same words. Um, We've got Kreese walking around at the front of the class in the black muscle shirt, which is obviously supposed to harken to the black gi. That is coming. And the last line of the episode. um, Not an Easter egg until you get to the end of the season. So I I guess it counts. Um, He stands there and he tells Johnny to his face exactly what he's going to do. Uh, which is the key to this move, is making your enemy think you are retreating, but just as they let your guard down, that's when you strike the hardest. Yeah. Oof. It's a good line, too. Mm-hmm. It is a good line, and it's delivered very powerfully. Yeah. And looking back on it from the end of the finale is 
painful because he, I mean, he looks him he, right in front of his face and tells him what he's going to do. And Johnny still doesn't see it coming. Boy, that back thrust kick, huh? I tell you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but remember, we'll the, drop down, the, the, the drop down back kick leaves you vulnerable. Remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. It, is that it or is there more? No, that's the last line. So that would be the end of the episode. All right. In uh, insert end snake. Right. Thanks, Hayden, for that. Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. So now we reach the point uh, in the episode where we are going to uh, read the feedback. Uh, Brianna, you're going to join us for this. So um, we'll alternate as usual. All right, uh, we will have, uh, Brianna, you go first, uh, and then Tom, you go second for the Facebook uh, feedback. So for the listeners, you know, if this is something you guys are interested in, uh, leaving feedback for future episode reviews or anything else we do, really, uh, just go on Facebook and search for our group, www.cobrakai.tvamb group, and you spell out the words period. Uh, we do ask you to type in something, um, uh, so, so we know that you're not a bot. So just uh, just if you follow that instruction, we'll gladly let you in. Uh, so the first one, Brianna? Is uh, Sarah Dawn L. At 27, Crease warns Johnny, practically tells him what he's going to do. And then she follows up. She's not talking about his speech at the end. It's when they're sitting on the bed. He tells him he hasn't changed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you guys both uh, kind of touched on that. Absolutely. And right. I agree. Next one is from friend of the show, Rick. And he says, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you have the facts of Kai. The facts of Kai. <laughs> bravo. Uh, bravo to both of you guys. Um, Rick, at first, I didn't know what the hell this was. <laughs> oh my god well that's not oh, man. you've never seen well, the show on. not until I saw the part where he put facts of Kai that's when I figured it out I, I didn't know he was doing the uh, the uh, the theme song there but Tom kudos to you for even sing, singing it lack of a better word uh, in, in that cadence <laughs> so thank you he, he did yeah he did get it on on the beat Yes. Um, missing a few pitch changes there. <laughs> but oh, I have no, this no. feeling, I don't Tom, have the that... capability of those pitch changes. <laughs> I have this feeling that you know the rest of the song too, don't you? Because I certainly do. Tom, I think I have some pictures of you in your group page that would say otherwise. That uh, I think you do have the pitch changes. Yeah, that, that is possible. <laughs> I mean, uh, under extreme circumstances only, but possible. Okay. Uh, all right. Next one is from from the show, also moderator Kaz. Uh, the heart to heart moment between Crease and Johnny when we learn how life for Crease was. Uh, what always gets me is how Johnny gave him the whole pick me up, the whole pick me up therapy. Sounds like defeat to me, but I was taught be you, Sensei, that defeat does not exist, and Crease still buried him like Judy after getting a second chance. I see what you did there, sir. Bravo. Um, he continues, did he not love Johnny? Is he really that evil? Most importantly, uh, it's ironic how Johnny showed mercy towards Crease time and time again and suffered from it. Gets to me every time. Do we think Crease loved Johnny? Yes. I think he did in just 
kind of like a deadbeat father sort of way. I think that Kreese did love Johnny. I think that he still loves Johnny. I just think that his definition of love is so abusive and distorted. And that has in turn warped Johnny's perspective on love too. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Johnny loves him back. But their relationship is so dysfunctional and so abusive that neither one of them can see just how screwed up it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Humans suck. We do. Yeah. And he is nothing but human. And uh, funny enough, you brought up one of your Easter eggs here is actually the next comment from Rick. Yes, um, I want to know who signed the picture of the girl that hangs on the wall by Kreese's bed. Was she a girlfriend? Is she the Flip Cola girl? Did Kreese know her? Was Flip Cola ever a real brand of cola? I googled it and couldn't find it. If you read the handwriting, it looks like it's personalized to John or Johnny, but I'm not sure. Um, It is to Johnny. It does say, thank you for the great food, and it appears that her name is Susie Johnson. I'm assuming that this is meant to be an in-universe soda, maybe like a California-only thing, because uh, that looks like a page out of a magazine. But I googled it too, and I never could find it, so I don't think it was ever real. Now, Susie is another version of Susan. Yes. There's yeah. no way. Okay. Oh, that would be that would be <laughs> disgusting, because Susan was 16. That's awful. All right. Um, and I really, really hope not. <laughs> um, yeah, and we we don't know Susan's last name, right? No, uh, we do not. Yeah, and because we don't even know if um, Counselor Blatt, if that's her maiden name or married name either. So that's right. Yeah. It might be Blatt, but it might be not. Right. All right. Uh, next one comes from Dorian T. Number one, Daniel pulled a Miyagi and saved Robbie. Uh, the student becomes a teacher. That's true. Uh, two, Tori's introduction was pretty badass. Great alley with an eye Easter egg. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? That we got that, you know, the Tori with a Y. I don't know if that was an Easter egg as much as it was just a direct tip of the hat. You know, I always kind of found, uh, or at least I've thought that Easter eggs are supposed to be hidden beneath the surface that you got to really kind of dig out. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, Either way, it was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 more of a a direct callback, like a a cute little reminder of it. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" But the hell that it has caused. Mm -hmm. Um, as cute as it is, I almost kind of wish they hadn't done it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Horrible. No, no, not at all. It's uh, just like you. Also, um, I think when I first. You know, whoever uh, came up with it first or wherever I saw it first, I was like, huh, Tori with a Y. And then when it became like a monster on its own and the theories and all of this, I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. Originally, the theories were based just on the fact that they were both blonde. And then when that was in the trailer, it it, it exploded and everybody took that as um, confirmation that it was going to happen. Right. And yeah. And it's still going on. Oh, my gosh. This girl is everyone's daughter all the way down to 
Benny is standing at the front of Mr. Miyagi's truck on the beach. Oh, that's and, right. That's uh, a new it, one. <laughs> yeah. It, everyone. Everyone is Tori's, is Tori's mom or dad. Or right. second cousin twice removed. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for Tori, I have the same thoughts as I do on Ray. Let her just be a character who's in the universe because she's there and she has earned her way in. Don't make her be related to anyone else. Right. Yeah. Here, here. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Dorian continues, number three, Johnny's loyalty to Kreese is very touching. It's true that there is a father-son bond, even if it's highly dysfunctional. Uh, Billy Zapka and Mark Cove were the best. And, yep, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four, Daniel is slowly heading in the Miyagi direction of being a truly great mentor. Uh, dismissing the video as a way of getting students was dignified. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of him when he said no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, five, when Dimitri entered the dojo and, uh, and met Kreese, I kept saying, stop talking. And once he touched Kreese's tattoo, I knew he was going to get an ass whipping. He got off easy. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I kind of felt that one coming. Okay. Um, six, the fisherman that Daniel meets on the beach had me crying happy tears. The spirit of Mr. Miyagi lives on. I think we all like that. That was a nice touch. Yes. Yeah. And isn't that the scene that uh, Pat Morita's daughter was there for? Is uh, That's the one that I think you told me about that, right? Yeah, where she was, because the, the picture of her and Ralph um, was on, taken on at rehearsal. Beach. Right. Yeah, he, they were standing on the beach. He was in his sweatsuit. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, number seven, Sam getting shoved into the buffet table was a great Easter egg to Credit Kid 1 when the spaghetti was dumped on Daniel like father, like daughter. Uh, eight, Kreese getting told off by the landlord was so satisfying. He responds well to female authority. I think that was an act. I think that given his druthers, he probably would have jumped down her throat. You and know what? Just as sexist to her as he was to the waitress. Um, when he said landlord, I thought of Zarkarian. So I got confused for a second. That's why. Okay. Oh, no, I think okay. he's talking about the I woman that it. runs the, yeah, yeah, the, the, runs the homeless shelter. Uh-huh. Uh, nine, Amanda sticking up for Robbie was so heartwarming. Uh, go team Amanda. Yeah, yeah, all very good points. We touched on just about uh, every one of those. I feel Dorian might have came from the future to to, <laughs> to leave his feedback. <laughs> all right, next one is from Amy S. And she says, I mean, most of Crease's child abuse has been emotional up until now, but there's literally no coming back from assaulting a child. Is that your Amy S. voice? <laughs> well, it's my Amy S. inflection. Oh, it, it sounds like a her, her witch. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, this isn't the first time he's laid hands on a kid, and I'm willing to bet that there were plenty more examples that we never saw off camera, so I I, I, I wasn't shocked at all. No, I, I, wasn't I thought outraged. it was... I, yeah. All of the children that he has assaulted before were already under his direct authority, and he could mask it under the karate training. Mm-hmm. He and Terry, well, not so much Terry, which is part of the reason why I hate him, but Kreese himself um, was, like, took pains. He never touched Daniel. They always had Mike do it. Terry was a completely different story but when they were beating on him at the dojo they had mike do it and they just stood there with their arms crossed so like if anything did happen they could say oh we never touched the boy 
you know, but it's the same thing. They're still beating on this kid. They're just doing it vicariously through this other kid. I don't think he has any issues whatsoever with putting his hands on children. I don't think he ever has. Mm. No, no, not at all. All right. And Dorian T uh, comes back and says, I've also noticed how street smart Miguel has become since Johnny had his pep talk with him in episode one. It was as if the student shed his skin once again and found his new power. By that, I mean he picked up on what Kreese was saying and outsmarted him. Yeah. Yep. I love that Miguel does not fall for Kreese's crap. I love that the one that stands up to him and calls him on it over and over and over again is Miguel. Yeah. And I love that every time he does it, he goes to Johnny and he's like, hey, this is going on. Hey, are you okay? You know, he's, he's constant. He knows that this relationship is not healthy and he's worried about Johnny. And right. I love that that's coming from Miguel. And then he continues after that. Actually just found another Easter egg. The Moment of Truth is the title of a track in the end credits Karate Kid 1. And it features in the 1984 theatrical trailer. It is actually the theme song of the first movie. Mm-hmm. So that would be why all of it is used that way. All right. And our last piece of feedback from the group page uh, is from Kristen D. Uh, she found us a couple of weeks ago, I believe, and is a, uh, a newer member. So welcome to the group. Um, she asks, why is Robbie's hair so perfect in the car with the wind blowing? It's not natural. LOL. I hate how every time Sam and Aisha were almost friends, Again, till Sam accused Tori. Also, the dude who hit Robbie with the oar looked way older than the other two and almost like a cartoon character, but I can't put my finger on which one. I love the concern and awareness coming from Miguel. Hawk and everyone else may be buying into Kreese's BS, but he isn't. I also am needing that backstory for Tori. A few kickboxing lessons don't teach you that much, especially the takedowns she used. Maybe she just watched a ton of YouTube or learned from a book. I loved Amanda this episode. She is so understanding and has so much compassion towards Robbie and doesn't care what he did as long as he didn't hurt someone. Her wisdom is refreshing and familiar. I also see this is kind of where Hawk really begins to turn on Dimitri. You can see that his friendship with him is basically over after this. No more volleyball games. I really felt bad for Daniel when he was talking... Un about his dojo and got his thunder stolen by Cobra Kai again. Poor guy, but glad the fisherman set his mind straight. This episode was really good. It set a good foundation on a lot of things, a lot of foreshadowing as well as seeing relationships change and some be destroyed. Also some easter eggs were fun as well. When Kreis takes over teaching, you see he has a whole different style and that sets up for what is to come in the future and, and, it lo and I love how it ended with his foot. Great feedback, Kristen. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Man, you know what? Uh, so behind or inside baseball, Tom, I was telling you how um, for this review, I actually hand wrote all my notes, uh, two pages, uh, very small. I have a small handwriting, but um, there there were a couple things that I missed, and and I remember them just based off of Kristen's uh, feedback. I completely missed the part where um, Hawk and Dimitri were FaceTiming. That's one of the, some of the funniest dialogue there about, you know, snitches getting stitches, uh, snitches get immunity, you know, as delivered by Dimitri. Yeah. Um, right, and Dimitri's like, I, I have thought... stitches. I have several stitches, yeah. Eli. I thought it was a good character moment for Hawk, though, really, just to kind of show how much Kool-Aid he's really, you know, swigging down. 
and the fact that he's starting to have uh, an almost admiration of Kreese this early on. Right. Uh, in um, the other thing was I completely forgot uh, Tori's uh, the, the, her spikes. You know, I, I completely forgot to bring that up. Oh, that she showed. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, she tells that you show. Yeah, she shows her and what what it is. Yeah, the bracelet. Thank you. Um, so, foreshadow. I told Tom the foreshadow shadowist of foreshadows <laughs> this episode. <laughs> One of the things that that I re, you know thought of and reminded of one of my favorite moments of this episode, I love how realistic Daniel and Amanda's marriage is. Um, as someone who has been married forever, I love that these two are still in love with each other. I love how shamelessly they flirt with each other. And when he pulls up and gets out of the car and she calls him Daddy-O and he's like, yeah, we'll cruise on down to the Passion Pit. I love that. Oh, it's yeah. just so natural and cute and fluffy, and it just made me happy. Oh, yeah. Makes me happy. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't want to say, like, that's the way to be, but you, you got to have those moments in your marriage. My, my wife and I, I we, we've been together, it's funny to say, only 17 years, but we still have those moments, I feel, and couldn't be any happier. Yeah, you have to flirt. If you fall out of love with each other, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so the next set of feedback we have, um, this was the first time I took to Twitter and uh, asked for people to leave feedback there using hashtag companion204. Um, maybe, maybe I'll start doing that, you know, for those that uh, are not in our group and then would like to leave feedback. Um, follow us on Twitter, you know, and I'll, I'll put a thread out and just uh, if you use the hashtag, it'll be easier for us to find, obviously. Uh, so, Brianna, why don't you go ahead and start with, uh, you know, one of our listener and uh, group members, uh, Jen. Yes, uh, Jen says, um, let's see, she is at Sweep the Leg 84. The fisherman scene with the crying emoji. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely relatable. I think Dorian oh, mentioned that, yeah. Right. And then, oh, and when Sam falls into the food, it was like father, like daughter. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've seen that memed so many times. And I have seen exactly one that put the G in daughter. <laughs> and my reaction was, oh, my God, someone spelled daughter right. I was so happy. <laughs> you know, what? that's the thing with memes. I think you're supposed to misspell words or something. It's so weird. I, I don't I don't understand it myself. Uh, yeah, I don't either. And daughter is <laughs> not a word. <laughs> daughter? Are you sure? I mean, word is hard. Uh, words? words are hard. Word, wording is hard. <laughs> yes. Wording is hard. Um, all right. The next one comes from Andy V, who I believe is Raptor, uh, according to the Cobra guys. Um, what kind of pants does, oh, I'm sorry, he's at Le Chevre. Uh, what kind of pants does Daniel wear? He kicks so much and they move with him. Um, I don't know. Maybe he gets it at JCPenney, you know? I, I I told him (laughs) that's a question for the costuming department. That's above (laughs) our heads. Yeah, good. Daniel look strikes me as the type of person who almost all of his clothes, even his rough and tumble clothes, are all custom tailor made. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, I think so, most likely. All right. Well, first thing, I love Dimitri. I'm sure I'd be his friend in real life. I find it hilarious how he moves his limbs, even though they're not that long. Gianni DiCenzo makes it seem like it. Secondly, 
I was a bit pissed that Daniel was making so much effort to get students. I thought it was obvious Miyagi-Do isn't about quantity. I'm glad he realized that later. And that comes from at Serpent Blue. Yeah, yep, some good points there. Um, and, you know, it, he... I don't know. Daniel's being Daniel. Can I say that? You know, until he learned uh, about like, you know, if what you have is worth biting, eventually they'll come. You know, the patience is a virtue. He just needed a bit of a reminder. Right. And then and then, you know, the students will come. So, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have been chasing the students and just let them come. But he's just so hell bent at, you know, kind of getting stomped on by Cobra Kai, you know, for decades. You know, that that's he was going about it the wrong way that i think that definitely plays into it you know he's he's been their victim for so long and he's sick of it and i don't blame him but he's also desperately trying to save these children and even their parents won't listen to him Mm -hmm. so what else can he do right at Uh, this point the whole thing with uh, Gianni's limbs, uh, I, I think that's a really funny moment. Um, I think actually that comes in the next episode, doesn't it? Right? Episode five? I feel. Yes. Yeah. 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 When he's standing out front with, with Daniel. Yeah. And he's I, I think, wobbling his arms. I believe the design of the shirt, you know, makes his arms appear a little bit longer than normal. But I'll have to look at it again and, you know, it, do, it won't hurt to uh, uh, shoot him a tweet or something just to ask about that. It also could be, you know, if you go back and you watch the Karate Kid and you watch the scene on the boat, Daniel looks like he's five foot nine and five foot of it is leg. So, (laughs) you know, there's that too. Okay. Uh, So the ones, let me see, we we have a couple other feedback uh, that didn't have the the hashtags, but it is uh, mentioned under... The, the the tweet. Uh, but before we get into that, I, I did have a personal message that I, I wanted to read. Um, this comes from Kevin at Cobra Kai Dad. Uh, I think many of you may have seen his video of his son, um, where he where Kevin says Cobra Kai, and then his son replies, never dies. Uh, it's a cute short clip. Uh, everybody and their mom was retweeting it. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but Kevin recently reached out and messaged us and says, Hey guys, your podcasts have become my best friends as of late. I am currently on medical leave for major surgery. Uh, being a fan of all things Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, your podcasts are a dream come true. I'm going to enjoy the Stingray episode tonight before bed. Keep up the great work. Cobra Kai never dies. Kevin. Oh, well, thank you for listening. And uh, here's hoping for a speedy recovery. I hope everything goes well. Yep, I wish them that as well. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate the support, Kevin. Thank you so much. Part of the reason that that video of his son took off the way it did is because it actually shows the power, I think, of Cobra Kai in this show. Yeah. His son is a nonverbal autistic child. Mm-hmm. He does oh, wow. not speak. So for him to say never dies and for it to be understandable, it has reached into his world. Mm-hmm. And that's astounding. It's amazing. Again, uh, check it out. Um, uh, just give, give him a follow at Cobra Kai Dad, and his uh, the video is pinned. So you'll see, yes. see it right there at the very top. And Kevin's a great guy anyway. He's a, yeah. friend, he's a friend of mine. He's a, he's a great guy. He really is. Very nice. 
Um, okay, so we read uh, the tweets from Jen. Uh, I'll kick it off with at uh, Dorothy Golden G, one of our longer followers there. I think well, we've known her for some time. Uh, she says, there are so many great scenes in this episode, but I absolutely heart Courtney Hangler. Her, well, her scene with Robbie at the beach club, the way she sticks up for him and how understanding she is with him is so kind and is a true reflection of this character. Uh, her warmth is well de- delivered by Courtney. I agree. I think we all love Courtney in this scene. Well, just period, uh, her character in general. I've been She's- saying since uh, I first watched the uh, first season, the mothers are the best characters on this show. They're clearly the smartest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And they, they smack their boys in the head with reality every chance they get, no matter how old those boys may be. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, speaking of Cobra Kai dad, uh, he says, I loved seeing Ralph Macchio evolve from student to sensei. Through Karate Kid 1 through 3, Daniel was always on the receiving end of a beating. Seeing the confidence in which he took care of the three guys was amazing. Seeing Daniel's enhanced skills, I would love to see a rematch with Mike Barnes. You and a lot of people, yeah, a lot yeah. of people are wanting to see that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in a rematch with Mike Barnes, Daniel kills him. Or tries to, and then stops himself. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd want to kinda... see exactly what Mike's been up to for the past 30 years before, before I would we get make a fight. that call. Sure. Yeah, good point. Good because point. if... Daniel has evolved. It's very likely that so is Mike, mm-hmm. or devolved. So we'll see. Yeah, they say that's that's true. Daniel was a good kid who grew up into a good man. Mike was a mercenary at the age of seventeen. I don't see much room for improvement there. Well, not morally, but perhaps physically. Uh, yeah, yeah. He he may do uh, very questionable things very very well at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that wraps it up. That's all of the feedback on Twitter, in the group page. Um, Brianna, thanks again for joining uh, joining us for uh, an extended Easter egg now to, to kind of chime in uh, with the, the feedback as well. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on and letting me stay. And I'll come up with a name one of these days and I'll be back for the next one. Well, it's somebody, an honor and pleasure as always. You know, so somebody else might uh, come up with suge- uh, a suggestion that you like. So hold, hold off on that since, uh, yeah, let's, let's just wait to see what uh, people have uh, for you. Um, okay, well, for anybody that wants to follow us on Twitter, you know, if you want to keep an eye on the feedback threads, uh, you can follow us at Cobra Kai Pod. And we're also on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Uh, the group page, you know, the name is in the show notes. So if you guys go in the show notes, you'll see it there. Uh, I know it's a little bit lengthy and a lot of words and letters. Um, but Tom, do you do anything else outside of Cobra Kai? Yes. Uh, as soon as I get off this, I'm probably going to be putting the finishing touches on the first episode of Jake and Tom Conquer the World since February. Uh, it's been the longest break I've had in podcasting since 2013, and uh, I am itching to get back up on that horse again. Right. You know, not that you've been 
podcasting over here. Well, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I'm just giving you a yeah. hard time. <laughs> um, okay, well, for me, um, you know, I do host Podstalgic. Uh, uh, recently, we recorded an episode. Earth Girls are easy. Haven't yet put that out. But, you know, retro movie reviews, that's actually where we started our Karate Kid coverage uh, way before we even heard of uh, Cobra Kai. Um, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Postalgic. Uh, Brianna, where can listeners follow you for some of your, um, your I, I don't know what the right word, because I don't want to just say art, because you do a bunch of other stuff as well, videos, um, writings. Um, well, I'm on Twitter and Tumblr as Brianna25, also on AO3 and fanfiction.net and YouTube, all of those as Brianna25. Um, just about everything I've done is in one of those multiple places, because um, I'm a big giant nerd. I'm also on Instagram, even though I don't really know how it works, <laughs> still to this day. And on Facebook, I am Brianna Davidson because they won't let me have my number, which I hate. But that's where I am. All right. So uh, I want to thank everybody for your guys' continued support. Uh, if you are a newer listener, please consider going back and checking out some of the other episodes uh, or even interviews. Uh, we've had 20-plus interviews with cast members from Cobra Kai and also some of the orig original Karate Kid movies. Um, so thanks for checking us out. And until next time, is that a koi pond? <laughs>